Welcome to Live Happily Ever Awesome. Join me and PACT certified therapist Julie Rappaport where we discuss relationships, learn how to bring the magic back to yours, and become a better partner. To join the discussion live, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Clydesdale Media. Sign up for notifications so you can call in with your questions or just join the chat. Be sure to like and share these episodes with your partner and friends. The following presentation is not therapy or a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to episode 13 of Live Happily Ever Awesome. We have uh, a special episode this week where we get to talk to Jackson Jan and uh, learn a little bit about their relationship and see uh, see how Julie can maybe uh, give them some advice. All right. Well, thank you for joining. Um, how are you two doing today? Good. Doing good. good. Beautiful day. Good. Good. Um, so just going to um, kind of get a little bit of information, who you are and... Um, and then would it be all right if if people who are listening to the podcast, if they had questions that they ask if, if need be or they want? Absolutely. We may okay. not answer them, but absolutely ask. Okay, great, great. Um, so um, are you two married? We are. Okay, <clears throat> how long have you been married? Married in 2008. 2008. So, so that's about 14 years. years 14. <laughs> 47 years of yeah. bliss. Of bliss, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Great. Um, and and first marriages for the two of you? Second for both of us. Second. Any children? I have two boys. Um, goodness, almost <clears throat> 38 and 39. 37 and no, almost 37 and 39. <laughs> that's just, that seems unreal, but yes, yes. Two boys. You, do, you don't look old enough. You don't look old enough to no. have kids that age. So that's for sure. Thank you. You are my hero today. <laughs> and Jack's any, any children? No kids here. No uh, kids. My goal was never to have kids, but to have grandkids. And the, the <clears throat> physics of that were difficult, but I, figured it out. You succeeded. Well, you did. You yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And how did the two of you meet? Well, I tell people I won Jan in a real estate transaction. <laughs> I, I was selling one of my investment condos and she bought the investment condo and uh, she kind of stuck around. Oh, <laughs> That's his side of the story. My side of the story is I was able to get an awesome deal because I wooed him with my stories. Mm. And um, then what was mine? Well, what was his became mine, became ours. Ah, yeah. interesting. Was it was it just kind of like you hit it off right away and started to go you out know, on dates? We actually were both going through some difficult times in life and I needed a place to live and he was selling. And um, <clears throat> it was actually an investment property that he was selling. So when we met, we were both in a emotional, stoic um, state, I guess you could say. And we quickly, almost immediately, um, felt like we knew each other from maybe another life, 
maybe college days, maybe travels, maybe cycling, maybe sport, other sports. We couldn't figure it out, but there was sort of this knowingness and we kept talking and um, it was just easy. And so one thing led to another. Uh, we went to the closing table months later and signed the documents he bought from the builder, turned around, sold to me. And at that, at that point, we were dating. Um, we, were, we were platonic friends and then soon after realized, maybe we should date. That sounds like a good idea. And uh, we were just very emotionally supportive for each other. We were really good friends. We continue to be really good friends as well as partners and companions and have a really good relationship. Yeah, it's good advice for those looking for spouses and partners is the best time to find someone is when you're not looking. You're not looking, right? In fact, we were both doing the opposite of looking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Closed off, right? Not not dating. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it just kind of, uh, it seems to happen that way when we let go. Right? Well, I, and I think <clears throat> you're absolutely right when you say let go. It's um, surrendering right? Surrendering to the universe, to God, whatever your, your beliefs are, instead of forcing things, life to happen. Life has a funny way of, of not following the direction you want it to go. And then there are these surprises and you find yourself in situations of complexity, doubt, uh, confusion, right? Just trying to figure it out. But it's hard. It's hard to surrender and, and to just accept what is in front of you. Yeah. But good things yeah. do happen. That's true. I always say, you know, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, right. Yes. So, you know, being that this is talking about relationships, um, <laughs> Just kind of wondering if you have questions or any issues you want to kind of air or talk about or anything that feels helpful or relevant for the two of you. We were talking about this before the podcast. Like, what is one thing that probably ails every couple in the history of the world? And that is the ongoing need to communicate better. Even when you think you're communicating well, you can always do better. I heard I heard Jan sigh when you when you said that. I swear I said that. She'll say no, you didn't, or I said this this way, and she says no, it wasn't that way. Um, so we're we've been on a journey trying to improve our communication for years, and <clears throat> sometimes I swear we're failing miserably. Sometimes we're successful. I'll say oh, we're the worst couple ever, except for every other couple. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good you have a sense of humor too. It helps. It does help. It absolutely helps. And in in the worst of times, if you can remember having a sense of humor, um, yes, very helpful. So, so I want to bring up the fact that opposites attract. I mean, pure and simple. We want something that we don't possess inside ourselves, generally, right? Um, and we see it in another person and immediately we're, we are attracted to that person. For example, um, I am more 
and I will just preface this with Jackson are very, very, very different. Um, I'm more extroverted and expressive. I process from here, right outside my, my mouth. I have to hear what I'm saying in order to process it because then it makes sense to me. And Jax is just the opposite. Um, more introverted, very uh, intellectual, can think about what he needs and what he wants and his thoughts inside his brain before he speaks them. So he only has to say something one time and he doesn't have to change his mind or go back where I do like, Oh, that didn't come out. Right. Let me try that again. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just how our brains are wired. What I see in him that I don't possess and really what I think is really hot is his intelligence, right? How he can process, how he can quietly has this demeanor of just quiet, sophisticated intelligence. And I'm like, Oh, I love that. And so th th those are the types of things that I possess that I don't have that. And, and so therefore I'm attracted to him. You can speak along those same lines if you care to, but at the same time, so now we're together and yeah, we do have little blips in, in our um, relationship. I, I sometimes think of, Think of the, the metaphor or the analogy of our relationship is like a, a copy machine because when that copy machine is working, oh my God, it's great. Or technology or whatever, right? It's like, it's, it's flawless. It's so it's smooth. You push a button and out comes exactly what you have, what you're expecting or requesting. And then when it doesn't work, you just want to throw the whole thing out the window. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Communication is yeah. very hard. Jan's metaphor for the copying machine, I think, is apt. Except her copying machine, she rearranges the buttons. <laughs> so just when I have it figured out, I got to relearn and reread the manual. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, it, it sounds like she's more um, complex of an individual, maybe than than you are. Um, I'd say spontaneous, perhaps. Um, yeah, she thinks outside of her head, and that manifests itself in words that sometimes don't work. Mm -hmm. And I hear things, I listen to things, I process them, and I take it seriously. Like, Julie, you say something, I'm going to listen to you. When I say something, I expect you to listen to me. Words aren't throwaway pieces of litter. Um, so our cultures are quite different in that area. But that's been a constant quest of trying to figure out when I say something, I would like you to understand it, to hear it, take it seriously without being too serious, of course. Right. So, I mean, just for the listeners, um, what the two of you are talking about is Jan is um, an external processor and you, Jax, are an internal processor. Yes. Um, we have talked on the podcast about different attachment styles. Um, and you know, how packed the work that I do works is we, we kind of just label those. And I would say, Jax, you're more of an Island and Jan, you're more of a wave. Um, that's typically, <clears throat> so that just translates into Jan, you're more of, um, kind of an anxious, 
uh, anxiously attached would be more on that continuum. And Jax, you'd be more on the continuum of avoidantly attached. Now, that does not mean that you are avoidantly attached or are anxiously attached. It's just that tends to be, you know, I don't know you from, I haven't done much with you, so I don't know for sure. Um, but so, Jan, I'm curious if, uh, you know, the thing that you love about Jax in terms of his, you know, ability to kind of go inside and, and be intellectual and then spit something out that's very polished. Um, does that, does the internal processing uh, part, does it also get in the way for you in terms of not really knowing where he's at? Uh, it does, it does. It keeps me on my toes. Um, something we are working on is Jack's um, externalizing his feelings and speaking more, um, just talking more about anything. It doesn't have to be specific. Just whatever he, he's thinking, have that come out. Because right. I want to know, what are you thinking right now? What is going on in your brain? But I don't want to have to say that, right? And, and that comes from how our brains are wired again in that I will look at something and, wow, that's just so beautiful, and just start speaking about it. And, and it's just my thoughts are being verbalized. And I would like more of that from him, but I realize it's hard because it's, well, you can speak. Why is it hard? Well, it reminds me of the old joke. Uh, I'll paraphrase it. I, when we got married in 2008, I said, I loved you. That changes. I'll let you know. <laughs> Good grief. So. Yes. Yeah. And so let me just talk about that for a moment is, um, I, I and and let me ask you this first, Jax. Um, when you were a kid and you were growing up, did you guys kind of process emotions at all, or what was was it like? No, very standard Midwest values. <clears throat> Being stoic about emotions, be par very parsimonious in how you deal those out. Yeah. That's showing weakness and vulnerability, right? Independence and strength and strong work ethic. Again, it's a very real stereotype in the Midwest. And yeah. That, that defines who I am. It's my hard wiring. Sure. Yeah. And there's great uh, strengths with that. I mean, it, it, the Midwesterners in, you know, I just, they, they're just so friendly and helpful and they've got your back and, you know, it's kind of, um, I don't know, they're just hardworking and, um, quality individuals in what I've experienced. Um, but in that, in that sense of what you're describing of like, Oh, you know, emotions, no, we don't really do that. We don't, we don't do that thing. Um, we, and if we are feeling those things, we deal with it internally and let it subside kind of thing. Um, does that feel accurate? Yeah, it's very, very true. Okay. Um, so the thing is that, um, you know, that would go on, on the, I'm sure, you know, 
your parents did the best job they could with what they knew. And that goes on to the continuum of kind of emotional neglect. I know that's a very strong word, but just what happens with a kid when, because all kids feel emotions, right? And so if a kid is feeling an emotion, but in their family, it's like, no, we don't do emotion or that's weak or whatever. They learn very quickly to not show it because if they were to show it and it's not attuned to by their parents for whatever reason, um, that's really painful for the kid. And so what the kid learns how to do very quickly is not show it because if they don't show it, there's nothing to miss and they don't have to then experience that pain. So then what happens is those individuals and Jan, you can, you can see whether this fits for you at all is they tend to be less expressive in their faces. Does that, does that resonate for you with Jax? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. And, and so then they can be, they tend to be hard to read right? Because there's not a lot of expression. Whereas Jan being more externally processing, you probably, she can read her like a bad book, right? I'm a very bad poker player. <laughs> <Right>. Very bad. <laughs> so Jax, um, the problem with all of that is that the brain has a negative bias. We, we have a negative bias already. And so no expression or no verbalization, the brain will fill in something negative. Yeah. So if the if you're just a neutral face, Jan might look at you and say, oh God, he's mad about something. Yeah. Or, oh God, you're not speaking. She's like, oh um, gosh, I think he he's either mad or I, I don't know, something's wrong, right? It's not usually the default isn't, um, oh, he's just fine. Like, that's just not how the brain works. So it's in your best interest if you don't want Jan to be naggy or, you know, really at you to give some sort of upturn of the lip or say, you know, um, gosh, I'm just very peaceful today or, you know, whatever, say something so that she does not fill in the negative. It's Is in it your best. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that would be helpful. And not that I think, I, I think negative, I have learned to not be concerned because I'm spending energy where I don't need to be spending energy and it becomes unproductive, <clears throat> right? So I'm just like, oh, he's a big boy, he'll figure it out. But it, but but if I if there is something when maybe you're thinking and there's a furl furling of your brow, then I I might think oh what what's going on, and then I will ask you if I am concerned. I will ask him what's going on. Right, but as you know, I'm a eternal optimist. I'm profoundly optimistic. That's my bias. So my neutrality would lead to someone who knows me well to think things are hunky-dory. Okay. When you see the furrowed brow, yeah, you're right to step in and say something's wrong. <clears throat> Neutral is very positive for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that could be an adaptation from your childhood is if nobody's really in your, you know, in your family of origin kind of, we don't do emotion. Like that's just, that's just the norm, right? Nothing's wrong. We just, 
That's just how it is. It's yeah, fine. When, I, when I go back to visit my old childhood home in Eastern Kansas, um, because I've lived out here in Colorado for 25 some years and I've grown more emotional, more emotive in how I feel and more abstract in my thinking and doing that when I go back and try to have those conversations and take them where I am now, it's usually blank expression. Like, what you, why would you say such things? It's not tactical and it's not now. Right. <laughs> Right. It's like a square peg in a round hole at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to see those changes. Right. And and to, to be like, oh, wow, like I, I have, you know, it's kind of like the water, a river running over a rock. It's like you can't help but change. And then you go back to like the original and you're like, oh, I don't quite fit anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to your point, I think Jack's has come a long way because we have consciously been working on what I need, which is I need to know your feelings. I need to hear your feelings. Uh, I need you to show your affection in this manner, which is touch me. When you pass me, you rub my shoulder or give me a little swat on the but, or, you know, um, if we're standing together, put your arm around me. But, but those are things that I have had to, albeit hard, um, to let him know what is important to me, what I need. I don't get it all the time. I, I mean, I don't know if, if I was, my partner was a really touchy-feely affectionate, emotional person, I still don't know if that would be enough, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I, I like where Jax has come, and I know he's working hard on trying. So I give him little nudges every mm -hmm. once in a while. Do I nudge you too much, you think? You do nudge me off a cliff once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but I nudge you back as well, because you need a lot of touchy-feely. And I don't always give it to you, but you've learned to accept that too. And I'm more touchy-feely than I used to be. Uh -huh. Conversely, like when I'm sick, I don't want anyone to be touchy-feely. Just leave me alone. I'll crawl into a cave and heal or die. It's fine. <laughs> but but she wants the exact me with affection and care. I mean, to keep me alive is good, but. Give me space. Yeah, right. This, and I don't know if we're we're jumping around. Maybe we can come back to this if we are. Uh, it is a question I have. Is that's a, a really good example you bring up? Is when one of us is not feeling well. I want Jax to rub my back to let me know that he's there. TLC, you know, fluff my pillow. I, maybe not literally, but you know, just give me that attention. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he wants the opposite, as he just explained. And so what tends to happen, and we do this more unmindfully, right, naturally, you, you default to who you kind of naturally are, and that is then projected onto your partner. So when he's sick, yeah, I want to take care of him. I just, I want to make him feel better. And I want to be purposeful because that's what makes me feel better. And that's what, that's what I want. 
And then just the opposite happens, right? He wants to leave me alone. He doesn't want to make any noise. He wants to. I'm being so respectful. Yeah, yeah. He's being respectful. And, I, and I'm wanting, I'm wanting something different. So, so then it becomes, do I have to tell him every time? Do I, and that's hard. It's hard when I don't feel well, or it's hard when I don't have the time to tell him exactly what I need. It's hard to express my expectations. And I have fears that why well, might hurt his feelings because oh, he is sensitive, right? And vice versa. So how do we, how do we um, get through that hurdle? Yeah. I mean, what you're speaking to um, is kind of a, a really concrete example of what happens in relationships in general all the time. Um, <laughs> right. And, and, and what you're describing is, you know, the, the, the partnership of course is two people. It's a two person system mm -hmm. that can't be separated. That cannot, like it is, that is the system. And yet what we tend to do is default into one person systems within that two person system. Now, the only thing that can happen with that is that two people go to war kind of. Now that's a strong word, but it's like me against you kind of thing. And, and so you have to, no matter what, at all times, even when, or especially when you don't want to, remember that you are a two person system. That what you do, affects this other person and what you don't do affects this other person whether you want to believe it or not it just is right so if we go into denial about that we're then in trouble and and so that happens and then this is a great just concrete example for everyone to kind of sink their teeth into is oh gosh you know we default to these one person systems of like oh well if i was sick i would want this and so we do that rather than attuning to our partner and knowing, oh, if I, if I treat them like I would want to be treated, they're going to get even more sick or dysregulated. They're going to, it's going to annoy them or irritate them or hurt them even more rather than actually doing what I know works for them. So it's putting them and their needs and their wants and their desires before our own. But you can also articulate like, so if Jan was saying, hey, my everything in my being wants to take care of you, be with you, coddle you, bring you things, whatever. And I'm not going to do that because I know that that doesn't work for you. Can I trust that if you need something, you'll let me know? Right. So that she had she would be sitting with this kind of anxiety of like, oh, I should be doing more, probably. Um, and and that, you know, she could just say, this is hard, you know, and um, but I really want to attune to you and give you what you need. Right. And it's One of is, is when in doubt, communicate. And to your point, yeah. like I feel I should do more and I really don't want to do more for you. Because I feel like I'm smothering you. Well, ask, do you want this? Yes. I mean, again, it's easier said than done. Right. We intellectually know this stuff. We've heard this a thousand times. 
but to practice it, make it a ongoing natural practice is hard, 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 really hard. It is. It, it's, you know, what I tell people is, you know, the thing that you're like, I know I should do this, but I don't want to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, when, especially when we're triggered. Right. It's like, I, you know, I know Jan likes touch and that is the absolute last thing I want to do right now. Cause I'm mad at her or whatever. <laughs> it is something that I tell couples of like, this is how you level up. You take your relationship and you level it up to to something that no, not a lot of people have is that when when humans are left to their own devices, we will misbehave. We will just do the thing that feels good to us. And because we're lazy, because we we just we're selfish, we misbehave like that. Everybody does. And so we have to have something higher than us, something bigger than us that we are shooting for rather than just our own well-being, right? It's the well-being of the relationship. This relationship is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than both of us. And we do the right thing because that's what we agree upon and we think is right for this bigger thing that we're doing. And it holds us accountable to when we would otherwise misbehave, right? We do this thing that it's the last thing we want to do, but we do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. And that's what makes change, you know, separates a good relationship from a great one is that we do the hard things. It's simple, but not easy. Right. I think that's similar to the my definition of character. Maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, but the, 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 the true definition of character is how a person behaves when nobody's looking, right? So to me, what you just said is similar to that. It's, it's, it's constantly remembering to do the right thing and the right thing isn't about me it's about us so what what is best for this relationship so think beyond me as an individual right and when i like it's kind of this uh a little bit of a reverse psychology thing that i talk with people about because we all are somewhat selfish um we all have some narcissism in us And Mm -hmm. so I always tell people, like, first of all, if your partner is not good, you are not good. Like, we all know that. Um, If your your life is harder if your partner is not doing well, right? So it's in your best interest, selfishly, you should make sure that they are okay so that your life is easier. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's sometimes more palatable for people to you know, instead of I just make them okay, like, I don't fucking want to make them okay. Like, but oh, make them okay. So my life is easier. Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. We do that with kids. We want them to be okay, so that I'm okay. Right? There was a book in the 70s, I'm okay, you're okay. But what you're saying is the reverse. No, you're okay, I'm okay. Right. <laughs> make yeah, you the, okay first. Like, to, to make somebody okay so that you're okay it kind of indicates a little bit of codependence. 
what this is, is, oh, this is a two person system and my life depends on that other person being good, right? Mm -hmm. Like you two are in the foxhole together. And if the person in the foxhole with you is not doing well, you're fucked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's in your best interest to make sure they're okay so that you're not fucked. Right. Right. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about versus, oh shit, I'm dysregulated and I need to make them okay because they're dysregulated. So I need to make them okay so that I'm okay. That's more of a codependence. Right. Right. Yeah. You were thinking of specific instances where we can improve our communications. And um, when, when I came up with is, like I explained earlier, when I speak, I really want you to listen. When you speak, I really want to listen. And let's go back and forth and peel away the layers of the onion and spend an hour on a topic. Let's go deep. Let's have fun with it. Um, <clears throat> Jan is more like the birds outside in her feeder. They're darting in and around, and they don't stay in one place very long. Um, so when we go, we take the dog on long walks up the Mesa here in Golden, Colorado, and... I would like to have conversations or no. Yeah. A singular conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause if, if we're up to Jan, you'd have 20,000 conversations, right? right. Well, as long There's as they're between the two of us, that might work. But what happens invariably, and this is one of my superpowers in restaurants, this happens all the time. When I'm about to speak, the wait staff comes over and says, <laughs> well, how are you guys doing? Ah, here's the specials. Like I was just ready to speak. Um, my superpower with Jan is that when I'm ready to speak and have a conversation, her digital world chimes in and takes precedent. Wow. Her family texts a lot. Her friends text a lot. Um, and whatever bing or bell or the dog looks sideways at a flower, that takes priority over <laughs> any conversation I could attempt to have. And once that moment's gone, it's hard to get it back. So competing with Jan's digital world is really challenging and we've talked about this and it seems well simple let's on this walk let's turn them off well somehow they always turn back on so we take a walk let's leave them behind and that's worked a few times but we kind of default to our natural uh, practice of wanting to be heard and wanting to be distracted hmm. so besides the obvious of we'll just do this what advice would you have for us to meet in the middle on this one. Yeah. I mean, does, does Jan really, does she want to be distracted? Is that, is that you come to that, can, you know, mm -hmm. agree? Like, yes. I Are you, so Julie, are you asking me or are you asking Jax what he thinks? I'm asking Jax what he thinks. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. She wants to be distracted. That's her natural uh -huh. tendency. Uh huh. Did he get that right? No, Uh huh. no, you didn't. Ooh. <laughs> No, so I don't. I don't want to be distracted, uh, and, and, and to me, I'm not saying hey, you're wrong, but my perspective is I don't communicate that much with my family or friends, and I don't have a lot of dings and dongs and bells and rings and things that go off. I, I sort of relate that to uh, when you have a paper cut 
So that's what you remember. You remember something that hurts. You don't remember all the other times that you've used a knife and you didn't cut yourself for an example, but you will remember that one time. You do remember, you know, me being uh, distracted, occupied, detoured from the conversation once or twice or three times or whatever. But, but that's, I think that's a more exaggerated in your mind. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's, that's your truth. That's real to you. So I don't want to dismiss that. Um, I'm just saying, I don't feel that I am as distracted as how you perceive me to be. But, <clears throat> but the point is that is your truth. And that's what we need to speak to. Okay, so great. Um, So the bottom line here is the two of you want the same thing. No distractions. You don't want to be distracted. She just verified she actually doesn't want to be distracted. So why don't the two of you just for a moment turn towards one another, face one another, and talk about, um, like, actually turn your bodies. Okay. And why we do this is um, that you know, primates, uh, you know, we're, we're actually blind on, on our corners. And so it, we have a natural thing in our nervous system as somebody side by side, we are automatically, our nervous system is automatically on alert. Mm-hmm. So we don't want anything to get in the way of our communication. If it's, you know, if there's any charge to it, that's already there. So, um, so just FYI for the future, if you are, in a car driving and you're in a heated situation, you either pull over and face one another or wait till you get home so you can face I like another. that. Hmm. That's yeah. very good. So why don't the two of you talk about what kind of um, agreement you want to make? And, and let's just reiterate that an agreement is something that the two of you say, yes, we are both going to do and we're not going to break it without first talking about it that we need to renegotiate it. Does that make sense? Whatever agreement you come up with, you're not going to do something different than it without first talking about it with the okay. other person. Okay. So given the fact that you both want non, no distractions on, you know, hikes, what's the agreement that you guys want to come up to come up with? We can't, I can't have no distractions because we have a dog, right? Because we have karma. Yes. So, that will be a distraction to you. Can you lessen your definition of distraction? Yes, as long as we work to manage the distractions, keep them to a minimum. So what does that mean? What is a minimum, right? For you, I, this is setting <clears throat> your expectations. I would love to leave all the electronics behind because the distractions of nature and dog, those are welcome sometimes. Uh, Okay, so for distance and timing and all of that, I can put my watch on silent. <laughs> Will that work? <laughs> what? We've tried that. Uh, that could be a step in the right direction. Okay. And then if I am uh, needing to, because our dog is off leash a lot. So when... Um, She's off leash and I need to call her or pick up her poop or whatever. That's a distraction to you, right? That's, that's a necessary distraction. That's okay. Okay. So, so, do, so what is a distraction to you specifically? Digital distractions on the Mesa. Okay. So I'll just put it on silent. 
Because I don't need leave them at home. No, I need to track. <laughs> <laughs> I need to track our okay. No, because I know our mileage. Okay, I can do that. You can do that. Let's give it a try. All right, I can do that. Yay! Okay. Yeah, I can do Great. that. Great. So that's your new agreement. And the two of you also agree that if that isn't working for either one of you for whatever reason, before you go back to anything different than that, you will talk to one another. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. And then you renegotiate the agreement. Okay. Um, the other thing is that what that what was Jax was speaking to is feeling like he wasn't the priority that other things were taking priority. And if the two of you aren't number one priority for one another, there's going to be issue. It could be, you already saw this in just this example. So if either one of you aren't feeling like top priority, then you should talk about what's going on and what you two think where the relationship and one another should be prioritized. And what should then in that case, if it's not number one, and you're not number one for one another, what are you going to put first? And that has to be agreed upon because if you're not in agreement, then you're going to have discord. I can tell you if you're not one another's top priority, there's going to be discord no matter what, but mm -hmm. uh, it's your relationship. Well, I put an asterisk on the agreement. So I do want to take my phone with me to take a very quick picture because, and this will happen, we'll be walking up the Mesa, Things are great. And all of a sudden, bing. And I'll look at you and you'll go, what's that look you always give me when you get busted? Right there. I want a picture of that. Because <laughs> I, oopsie, I forgot. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> There's no forgetting, right? Or, or, or if you do, because sometimes we're human, right? Yeah. Um, or we're always human, but, um, you know, we're human. We make mistakes is the only thing should be, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, let me silence that right now. And here you take my phone or, you know, something where you really acknowledge that you had this in place and you messed up. That's a great idea. Yeah. All right. Well, Jax, Jax, just get yourself a Polaroid camera and bring the Polaroid camera. You don't, there you go. You don't need the technology. I like Big old <laughs> yes, yeah, and Fair then enough. do this. Right, right. I love it. I love right. it. Um, we we have another. I have another example that um, I'd like to see what you think about this. Okay, and let me just check with Cat real quick oh. about time. Yeah, we're okay. We can okay. go probably another eighteen minutes. We can go okay. up to an hour. Okay, great. Oh. Wonderful. So um, I, I don't like to be scared or surprised uh, by somebody walking into the room. I'm in a room and <clears throat> I don't know that that person is there and I turn around and I'm jolted because of the surprise or even it, it, I just don't like that. So I, I also think it's rude for a person, my culture, uh, ba my background, my culture is this way. You don't walk into a room without announcing yourself or, hey, or you don't come into the house quietly and um, not say that you're there, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> we're very different that way. Mm -hmm. Jax, I guess you're being respectful. 
Yeah. I am, but it's also the house I live in. So you don't have to announce yourself. <laughs> Our dog wears so. a bell. We call it a bear bell when we hike in the forest. Mm-hmm. I think Jan wants me to wear a bear bell so she no. knows exactly where I am <laughs> with an electronic shocker collar when I don't <laughs> do the right thing. <laughs> no, um, but I, I would like for you to say, just make, some noise to say, hey, you know, hi, good morning, whatever, when you come into a room. It's not every room, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah when you come in from outside or, or, or even leaving a room, I like to know that my partner's going to be right back or I'm going to be gone for a while or I'm going to go take a shower. And, and I don't want to, I don't care what you do and, and I don't need to know your details but if there is something that I'm thinking about and I'm thinking, oh, because then I can engage you in whatever it is in the next five minutes or 10 minutes, I know that you're going to be right back or you're not. Um, there was an, a, an example. We have boxes in the garage that we needed to go through and it's just books. And so Jack's will or Jack's did he had a few minutes and so he just went through the boxes and he completed the task. And I was a little unsettled and a little irritated that he didn't ask me to go through the boxes with him because I wanted to see, you know, I, I just wanted it to be a team thing. I wanted for us to talk about the different books. I have books in there that I want to go through, vice versa. And he was like, nope, you know, kind of done. It's taken care of. And um, so it's one of those, tell me what you're doing. And you don't all the time. You don't a lot. <laughs> well, you got to remember, right, that, you know, just from the little that I know about Jax's history, he was raised in a very uh, independent minded that was extremely valued, right? Mm-hmm. I would imagine, Jax, you did a lot on your own. Um and maybe spent a lot of time on your own, who knows. <clears throat> but, you know, that that, um, that independence, that kind of alone state is, is a, a default for him. And that sometimes thinking of a two-person system might be harder for him. Very true. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, but you have to remember who you're with, Right. Um, uh oh, if you default there, um, trouble is, is a ride. Yeah, the RV dragons. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, you know, so when, so Jan, getting back to that whole, you know, the room thing when you're in a room <clears throat> and, and, um, announcing coming or going, um, first of all, that kind of resonates for me in terms of separations and reunions. That's a whole different thing that we could talk about. Um, but, just kind of book, you know, put that on the shelf for a minute, um, is when, when Jax doesn't do those things, when he is just, you know, quiet as a mouse, um, his life goes really well, right? For him. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he pays the price, right? Yep. No, it's not a big price. But, but he like, knows oh, like, no. oh, 
he either scares you and that doesn't go well, or you start talking, thinking he's in the room and then, you know, you get annoyed because he didn't announce that he was leaving. Yeah. Um, So why, if he knows that his life is not going to go real well, if he doesn't do that, why doesn't he then just do it? Is that a question for me? Yeah. Because it's hard for him. It's not his natural style. Sure. But he knows that's how he levels up. Right? If we do what's natural for us, Mm -hmm. we're in trouble. Because our partner, like you started with, we are choosing somebody who fills in where our weaknesses are. So therefore, probably does not do things the way we do. And so we chose this person for a reason, and we want to attune to them. We want them to see, to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel loved, to feel prioritized. Um, And that if we know something about that person and we're consciously not doing it, um, then that's a problem, right? We have to do the hard things. And when we don't, we apologize. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You're right. I'm sorry. I I just completely went on automatic and I'm going to continue. I'm going to really work on this. Mm -hmm. I do do that. Mm -hmm. You said said do do. Well, I did say do do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Julie's Julie's dropping F bombs. We're fine. Yeah. You know what? I, I think that was very innocuous. Uh, in relation to what was said 20 minutes ago. Exactly. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, add a bit of levity. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think Jan is very wrong when she says she doesn't like to be scared. Oh. Once or twice a year, we have this thing that erupts in our house, and it's usually her that starts it. Snake wars. We have these large, realistic plastic snakes. And <laughs> yep. sometimes these snakes appear the most surprising places. In your like bed. I got in my car one time oh. and I looked down, the snake was wrapped around my steering wheel looking at me. <laughs> that was so awesome. then it's my turn to snake war her. And this goes back and forth a dozen times before we retired for six months. <laughs> yep. So I, she likes to be scared and she likes yeah. their ring. It sounds like it's more relational um, in terms of the, the like being scared or caught off guard, you know, that kind of a more vigilant nervous system. Yes. I, have a, I have a question for Jax. Does, does her desire to sort of know you're coming and going and when you're leaving and when you're coming back and all that, does that feel a little bit like control to you? No, I would rephrase it. It doesn't feel like it is control. Okay. okay. <laughs> Well, especially, especially for somebody who is more independent, doesn't want to have to be accountable to anyone else. Right. Um, And it, it is somewhat controlling the ask. Right. But it is lessening her anxiety. And it is how do the two of you want to work this out? Right. I mean, it could be as simple as Jack's announce himself, announces himself or, you know, whatever. But that's, you know, something I could come up with. But 
this is your relationship. So how do the two of you want to work with this, given the fact that, oh, her nervous system is oriented more uh, like a vigilant, it has a bit more vigilance in it. And his, and it goes against everything in his system to do what you're asking, right? So how do the two of you work with this so that it becomes a win-win? I, I think acknowledging just what you said, that I understand this feels controlling to you. And how else does it feel? Let's talk about that. Because it's less damaging when, when, when your spirit is aired, right? When you're when I'm telling you how I feel and where I'm coming from, it, 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 it feels easier. It's, your, it's your why, right? It's your why. It's the why behind how you're behaving, right? A little right, bit. right. So, so there's understanding. And I could say, I really understand that you feel like I'm controlling you. And that is not my intention by any means at all but this is what happens to me inside. And I can't help when my nerves feel shattered because <clears throat> I didn't hear your voice before you walked into the room. You know, I mean, something like right. that. And, and really the two of you can, you know, it, this is again, a two person system. So this is a system issue. So how do the two of you come together and say, okay, given the fact that Jan has this issue and given the fact that, Jax has an issue as well, but it's different, right? It's in like, I just want to be quiet. I just want to, you know, be respectful or do my own thing or whatever. How did the two of you come together to make this dynamic that's going on a win-win where somebody doesn't feel controlled and somebody doesn't feel scared? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meeting the, meeting the middle is our typical strategy. Um, we have the same, we call the 51% rule. If someone feels very strongly about something, they'll call 51%. And the responsibility of the other person is to immediately give in. Mm. Or, or <clears throat> we have a serious conversation, mm-hmm. but that usually doesn't happen. It's yeah. just, okay, I understand this is mm-hmm. that important to you. Right. You can call the 51. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes, uh, that's great. 51% for this room thing. I will always throw in a large realistic plastic snake before I come into the room. <laughs> that's right. Right. This is the way I get to do it then. <laughs> right. But so then just the takeaway also, guys, is um, I don't like the I don't want you to think of compromise because compromise means neither one of us really get exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. Right. I want the two of you to think of bargaining so that each one of you gets what you want. So it could be, okay, well, I'm willing to, you know, do X, but how about also when we do this, we, um, we don't have to announce or, you know, whatever you, you kind of each work with, your attachment styles and what works for you and find something that's like, oh yeah, I feel good about that. Oh yeah, I feel good about that. Like we both win and yay, yay team kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I really like the bargaining negotiating. Uh, more so I like the key word of the two, two person system. 
-hmm. And and that just is, it encompasses so much um, to think about, to be mindful of, and to work towards. And it, it, it really takes away the whole notion of me and self, because it's one person. But yes, it's so, so it's raising my thoughtfulness, my mindfulness up to us. Yeah, Dan Siegel actually coined the phrase "mui," which Mui. is a me we, mui. Like, yeah. So you know, we can't just be a we because sorry, then we sacrifice self, right? That's codependence. We mm -hmm. want a me and a we, yeah. and so uh, it's a, it's a nuanced thing, and it's um, but when it works, it's it's fabulous. It is. It is. It's beautiful. <clears throat> want we we. Like Mui. Mui. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great. Well, I think um, if, if you're all right with kind of wrapping things up at this point with that, does it feel like a good spot to, to end to, for today? Yeah, yeah, it does for me. I appreciate the conversation and the council and a few chuckles sure. and laughs along the way. Oh, good. Good. Oh, for me. It's uh been constructive and and fun awesome know? and i think that we we started out talking about having humor and relationships <clears throat> i don't care if it's with your kids it's with your colleagues we're fellow students whatever right we just we need to remember to laugh and not take life so serious and not take ourselves so serious so i i think that uh it's been a, a wonderful hour thank you no, thank you. I appreciate you coming on and helping everyone kind of learn from what we all can with couples. It's just, you know, relationships can be challenging and we all face similar, similar things. And um, we just need to get any stigma out of the way of it. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> Love it. You guys so, are awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. And uh, yeah. thanks, we'll Kat. everybody next week. Okay. Okay.